Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Exchange podcast. Today, I am glad to be joined by yet another wonderful author with a new book out. Today is with Scott Weeman, who is the editor of the new Catholic and Recovery Workbook. So, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Grateful to be here. Great. So this book, it seems it's not your first, right? You have a few under your belt <laughs> at this point. Yeah, which is an amazing thing. I never I dreamt about writing a book, um, you know, but it was just a pipe dream for a long time. In 2017, Ave Maria Press published my first book, The 12 Steps in the Sacraments, mm-hmm. The Catholic Journey Through Recovery, which is more anecdotal, more of sharing my story, the stories of others who have blended the sacraments of the Catholic Church with 12 Steps of Addiction Recovery to find new life. This, the Catholic in Recovery Workbook, is more of a how-to guide and supplemental, really a guide to be working through the 12 steps uh, while integrating Catholic faith. There's 20 sections, worksheets, and uh, prompts for activities. Um, so it's a bit different than the first book. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I bet they pair well together, too, of course. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved in this ministry to begin with? I know that the 12 steps, whenever we first hear about them, you, of course, usually in the context of Alcohol- Alcoholics Anonymous, and you understand that they did have somewhat of a Christian origin, as far as I understand. But um, how, first of all, how did you get involved? And then how did you add a Catholic twist to this? Yeah. Well, I got involved by means of just my life being saved by 12-step recovery first. I found um, uh, an AA group in October of 2011 at a place where I was at my darkest. Um, I was, you know, things were falling apart in my life. I was 26 years old, thought that my life was basically over, although I've learned that it's relatively young. Um, But things just in a dark relationships had been falling apart, family relationships, attempts at school, um, job opportunities, uh, romantic relationships. And um, and so I was at rock bottom and needed help. Didn't you know, I grew up Catholic, nominally Catholic, as I say, Mm -hmm. Christmas and Easter, a few extra credit uh, weekends a year. Mm -hmm. And um, but went through the sacraments and as, as a youth confirmed in high school. But then upon going to college, started drinking on a very regular basis, using drugs on a regular basis. And that led to this spiral where all the good things that had, had um, were part of my life had been slowly removed as a result of my pursuit of alcohol, drugs, and other addictions, compulsions, and unhealthy attachments. And so um, about 11 years ago, I you know hit rock bottom, found new life, and um, walked into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I remember that day very well. I was, it wasn't my first time at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or a 12 step meeting, but I was ready to concede to my innermost self that I needed help and, and receive that help and got to that meeting. It was an early morning meeting. The meeting was in the second uh, floor of um, Episcopal church. You could hear though, when you got to the kind of the opening of the, the, the stairwell, uh, laughter and camaraderie from the the group above, and I was thinking to myself, if this these people know anything about what I'm going through, there's no reason that they're laughing. Um, right. But I got up to that meeting and participated, and don't remember much from that except for afterwards we prayed the Lord's prayer, put our hands on each other's shoulders, and prayed the Lord's prayer, which was one of the few prayers that I had remembered. It was really part of my prayer routine as a child, mm-hmm. and that made me feel at home. But then a man darted across the room looked me in the eye and said, I know exactly how you feel. You don't ever have to drink again. Mm-hmm. And that started off a really new new life for me. And uh, that man helped save my life. Every day after a morning meeting, we would go to a coffee shop for a couple of hours and we would read through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and correspond that with the, with the Bible. And so we'd be cross-referencing the two. 
And um, he strongly encouraged me to get active in my local Catholic church, my young adult group, and uh, to find peers that, that could hold me accountable, but that also that I could be, you know, yeah, thrive spiritually, grow in my spiritual life that way. And mm -hmm. that helped me reclaim my faith as a Catholic. For So for years, I was, you know, yeah, growing in my faith. I remember it was awesome. I was hearing the gospel for the first time. So new gospel passages for the first time and just learning more and more about Jesus Christ and mm -hmm. the, and our faith. And after, I would also say that I was all getting a bit envious. I was finding some mm -hmm. other young adults who were claiming their faith as adults, going through RCIA and formally kind of becoming Catholic. And I was just thinking to myself, or just uh, regretting going through the motions as an adolescent and never really making that, like claiming my faith for myself, but it was shared right. with me. And um, I kind of over time realized that as I was working through the 12 steps there, I was doing exactly that. I was really claiming my faith and a lot of the similarities that existed between the 12 steps and the sacramental life of the church. So right. a few years went by 2015, just started a blog, uh, really a blog, catholicandrecovery.com was the website. And I was sharing experience, strength, and hope around various topics related to addiction in the church. And from that um, came opportunities to speak locally or did some some interviews such as these, mm -hmm. uh, such as this. And um, the best part of my local you know, presentations or talks was when I was done talking and other people had a chance to share about their experience in recovery or their loved one who was challenged by addiction, all through the lens of our faith, referring to saints, sacraments, uh, dedications, like the, such as the rosary, scripture, and things that would otherwise be out of bounds in a secular 12-step uh, group. But it was right. clear that we need to bring these people together. And so Catholic in Recovery, the first Catholic in Recovery meeting started in January 2017, downtown San Diego, and still exists today. Great. And has that grown to be nationwide too? Yes. Program? So it's grown quite a bit in the last five years or so since mm -hmm. our first meeting in 2017. We started a few more local groups here in San Diego. That first group was a general recovery meeting. So people with a variety of addictions, compulsions, and unhealthy attachments. And that includes, as we're speaking of addiction, not just alcohol and drugs, although we formally know kind of that through um, when we think right. of addiction, but there are just as many people seeking and needing recovery from food-related addictions, such mm -hmm. as compulsive overeating and restricted eating using 12-step programs that re, um, revolve around that, but also gambling addiction, pornography and lust addiction, mm -hmm. technology addictions, um, all sorts of uh, unhealthy attachments that keep people separated from God. And um, it, without a holistic solution mm -hmm. that relies on uh, extreme devotion to God, we would otherwise just turn to other forms of addiction uh, to kind of quell that urge, I guess. Absolutely. And one thing that really comes through in your book and from other resources is that addiction is merely the symptom of the greater problem, right? And that because addiction has all these various ways that it can manifest, these various physical manifestations that kind of are will be different depending on the person, their circumstances and their personality, what is at the root of all this is really a spiritual sickness. And if you're just trying to fix the symptom without fixing that root of the problem, then you're really never going to get anywhere. So you have to approach it with that mindset of really going deep. So can you explain kind of how that breakthrough moment happened um, for you, how it happens in your program, and also how this book addresses that root of the problem? 
Yeah, absolutely. I should finish answering your last question though first. I think I was just <laughs> describing our general recovery meetings, but yeah. so we started other meetings locally for different types of uh, different meeting types, a meeting for family and friends impacted by a loved one's addiction and a, a group for those recovering from pornography and lust addiction. Mm -hmm. And then we've, over the last five years, that's um, really propelled to, we've got now like 60 Catholic and recovery meetings in 22 different states, plus in that's Canada incredible. and Mexico and 30 weekly um, virtual meetings that happen as well. So we've yeah. grown quite a bit over the last five years, but that's exactly, you, you know, I, I like that. Um, yeah, I, that's how I see addiction as the different types mm -hmm. of addiction that I listed before really being different symptoms of the same spiritual malady. Right. And th that's what you're speaking of. And that's the spiritual malady that, um, boy, is baffling, is cunning, baffling and powerful and patient. And we need a solution that rests on God and allows us to one day at a time, turn our will and our lives over to his care. And that's exactly what the 12 steps does. And, and the Catholic and recovery workbook provides education around addiction and how it manifests in our lives, four different ways that it manifests biologically, emotionally, cognitively, and spiritually. And we, so just, you know, education around addiction can be a really helpful tool for individuals seeking recovery and family members who are impacted by a loved one's addiction, but it's got to go further than that. It can't just be a knowledge. It's not a knowledge problem. It's a behavior problem. And so it needs to be a program of action. And the way that that's, you know, that, that that's worked out in my life is just a regular meeting, regular meetings with people who are in recovery, who those who have long-term recovery, who have come before me, who can share uh, best practices for just dealing and coping with life without having to resort to addictions, compulsions, or unhealthy attachments. But then also uh, connecting with newcomers and those who are seeking the program as a means to give back. You know, mm -hmm. for a long time, the presence of addiction, my alcoholism, my drug addiction, this very self-centered behavior that I could not overcome or manage or control on my own was the worst thing, the the, the darkest part of my life. But now that has been formed and changed to really be one of the best assets, the greatest assets for me to help another individual who is in a similar spot and mm -hmm. can also look them in the eye and say, I know exactly how you feel. You don't ever have to drink or use drugs or look at pornography again. Right. God will use any circumstances to turn it into good. That's for sure. Mm. One of the things that struck me is the the concept throughout recovery. And really, you can, I think, expand this to throughout the process of basically just rooting out sin entirely is this concept of surrender to God and how it mm. seems paradoxical because a lot of what drives addiction is a, feel of a feeling of a lack of control and this idea that you have to give up in order to advance is it really seems like much of the Catholic life to be paradoxical. We know, of course, the cross is the greatest paradox. Um, so that surrender to God's will also requires a lot of humility and looking yourself in the eye, in the mirror, and admitting these vulnerabilities. Um, this reminds me of, there's a, a a method of examination of conscience called the particular examine. And so uh, in addition, the listeners might know to editing Catholic Exchange, I am the spokesperson at Sophia Institute for all of our dead and or Italian authors. So mm -hmm. <laughs> those who can't speak for themselves on the podcast. So we've had a few interesting ones Um <clears throat> This book, particularly on the particular examine called Rooting Out Hidden Faults, which discusses the seven deadly sins and how we each have a predominant fault. We each have one of those seven deadly sins that is really at the root of all of our other sin. 
that we continue to have to confess that kind of drives our personality almost, and how these sins can even sometimes manifest as personality traits. So we'll say, oh, so-and-so just has a temper or they're irritable when in fact it's that sin of anger that's really festering in them. And so it is empowering to understand that if this is a sin, it is something that can be removed um, and that all these symptoms of woundedness sometimes come from sin or come from just our fallen human nature as human beings. So could you speak a little bit to that, that dual concept of surrender to God's will and empowerment and what role humility plays and vulnerability in that process? Yes, absolutely. And this is where a lot of people get hung up and don't advance or don't, um, don't get recovery started because it is a, it's, it takes a great deal of humility, which maybe we don't have on our own. It's a God-given humility people who are struggling with addictions often are very proud and that proud that pride you know is manifested through denial that we don't have a problem you know we can we can control this um, if i wanted to uh, and it, it it takes all sorts of different shapes and unfortunately too often keeps people from ever getting help asking for help is not an easy thing to do regardless mm-hmm. of how spiritually well yeah depending on how spiritually fit you are even um, asking for help is a challenge. And so this step one is we admitted we were powerless over fill in the blank, alcohol, drugs, food, that our lives had become unmanageable. That's not an easy thing for people to 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 say, to admit. Um, it does take a kind of experiencing some kind of rock bottom moment to realize that. And maybe that window of grace where we're ready to admit our powerlessness doesn't last for so long. The man who helped save my life would regularly say this, we, Scott, you have a disease that makes you believe that you don't have a disease. Mm. And so you, uh, we want to not take the daily medicine that is good for us. And this is true, actually, even of um, heart patients or other people who are facing their mortality, as expressed in a really a good secular book called um, Change or Die. And mm-hmm. by Alan Deutschman, where he gives examples of people even taking their daily medicine for heart medication. But that daily medication is oftentimes a reminder of our of our neediness, our, our reliance mm-hmm. upon something, just like the daily medication for a recovering addict is a recovery meeting or something of the sorts, a connection with another fellow in recovery. But we don't like to be reminded of our of our uh, mortality or our powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would rather like to assume the the opposite. And so it has to start with a um, a uh, really coming to um, admit to our innermost selves that we are not like our fellows, that we cannot either drink or perhaps eat or lust or whatever the condition might be mm-hmm. like another person, that we need to surrender to God. So the second step is coming came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. Maybe something as Catholics, we have a, a relationship with a higher power, a power greater than ourselves, who we would call God, as um, as understood through a triune God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But still, there might be some challenges that a Catholic might face that relates to either scrupulosity or self-reliance or defiance, um, where we know God exists, but we don't want to rely on him, nor do we maybe even believe that he can help us. And mm-hmm. so that's the that's the kind of the crux of that second step. And the third step is coming to, is, is then making a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And that is really at the essence of a daily commitment. You know, it's not just a one once a a once upon a time commitment, but that's a commitment that needs to be made every day, every morning, asking God, please keep me sober today and let me surrender myself to you so that I might be of usefulness to you and my fellows. 
Right. And it's such a beautiful example of how God will use these circumstances to achieve a greater good. Because if you were just living your life without an addiction, in this case, then you might not feel the need to surrender to God. You might have this false sense of pride that I can do it all on my own. Look how successful I am. Look at all the things, all the worldly things that I've built in my life. And so these these wake up call moments are a grace if you can choose to see it that way. Absolutely. And you'll hear people, and it doesn't make sense to many, but you'll hear people refer to themselves as I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic, <laughs> or I'm a grateful recovering addict. And what you would think, why are you grateful for that? Why why are you grateful to be an addict or an alcoholic? But mm-hmm. for me, that's that that captures exactly it, is that without without this experience with the rock bottom or my own limits, I probably wouldn't be in relationship with God and my relationship with others would be quite different because um, I would just think I've got it all going on and um, can do it all on my own. And sure, sometimes I might come into uh, experiences where that's really challenging for me, but without having to really come to surrender to God and needing to do so on a daily basis, become dependent upon him. Um, yeah, that's depending on God has proven to be much more uh, of a more fruitful life than depending on myself. Right. And it reminds me from another context, I study uh, the persecution of Catholics under communism. And there's the Solzhenitsyn quote, um, can't remember exactly what it is, but he says something to the effect of bless you prison, because in that circumstance, of course, he wasn't Catholic, but in that dramatic, horrific circumstance of persecution, he was able to put aside all these worldly vanities and distractions and really focus on what was important and dig down. So just it's very inspirational that whatever the challenges are in your life, these crosses have been placed there and can be used to bring you closer to your salvation and closer to God. So it's acceptance. Uh, We're always told that God favors um, when we accept the crosses that he sends rather than adding our own. Yeah, I think that's just further proof that, um, yeah, we we don't know what's good for us. The even even defining and adding value to a circumstance or situation like this is good or this is bad. I'm not always sure what's good or what's bad for mm-hmm. me. Even if it seems like it might be challenging. Of course, suffering is something that needs to be endured. Um, but you know, I just because I'm going through a lot of suffering, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing for me. It couldn't be a very valuable thing for me and and others. Right. I want to pivot to talk a little bit about the practical steps that are discussed in the book. And as part of the uh, 12-step process, you really emphasize the importance of daily prayer and meditation and also frequent reception of the sacraments. So can you discuss how this is, the, the, the importance not only of prayer and the sacraments, but also how these have to be habits that you enact as these practical steps rather than just, you know, nice things that you think about? Yeah, um, exactly right. It's got to be a program of action. It can't just be something mm-hmm. that I'm sitting and dwelling on in my head. Right. And so things like those, the action is a regular reception of the Eucharist. It's um, getting, putting myself in a position to, to be I'm willing to surrender myself to God. And that might even look like, you know, prayer and meditation on a daily basis. But what is the position or what is my stance while I'm making that prayer? My very early right. days of recovery, when I was desperate for God to enter my life and help me, I was getting on my knees and I was putting myself, opening up my arms, raising my arms to God. I just, Lord, help me. I don't know what the help looks like, but you do. 
and, and please help me. And in fact, sometimes people will even instruct sponsees, people that they're working with in recovery, hey, put your phone in your wallet underneath your bed at night so that mm -hmm. in the morning you have to get on your knees to go get them. And while you're down there, why don't you say a prayer to God and put yourself <laughs> in a humble position? Yeah, and, whatever it um, takes. <laughs> yeah, so those are, I mean, there's practical tools like that in wisdom, which might seem strange. It might have you scratching your head for a bit, but it is necessary. We need to relearn a new way of life. And um, that doesn't, that comes by practicing. And oftentimes, anytime we're doing something different in our, in our lives, if we're creating new patterns in our lives, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be, there's going to be kind of internal resistance to that because we want to do what we're used to, but doing what we're used to in this, in this setting and in this, in this instance um, is, is death. That's it's a, it's a spiritual and a physical death. We keep going down this path. And so um, needing to put ourselves in a position of regular surrender through prayer and meditation um, by seeking God's will. Part of that is once we advance into the steps, step 10 is continue to take personal inventory and when wrong, promptly admit it, which is much like a daily exam that we would mm -hmm. do. And then step 11 is sought through prayer and meditation, uh, conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. That last part is a little bit interesting too praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. That takes a great deal of humility as well and not coming to God, trying to get his stamp of approval on our will, but rather putting ourselves in a position to be open to uh, receiving and, and accepting what his will might be and for the power to carry that out. So yes, mm -hmm. the best way that we can maintain conscious contact with God is by reception of the Eucharist. Uh, there's, no, just, there's no better contact with God than that. Um, but other regular participation, you know, even dipping my fingers into the baptismal font when I walk into a church mm -hmm. realigns me with my baptismal promise, with the baptismal promises. More than that, though, too, it also aligns me with what St. Paul refers to as we must, we're also baptized into Jesus' death. And so mm -hmm. it's a reminder of the death to old ways of life. When I plunge my fingers into the baptismal font and make the sign of the cross as I enter a church, that, you know, when when done with great intention, um, can can realign me with God's will and with my fellows and with the miracles that he's worked in my life. So all of these um, in, encounters with the sacraments and regular prayer and meditation can be very um, uh, rewarding, but filling. And um, we've got to be moving towards something, not just moving away from something. So if mm -hmm. we're running away from our addiction, but with nothing in sight that we're running towards, mm -hmm. we're ultimately just going to end up back in the same place. And even if it's not, even if we're not doing these things that would be good alternatives to our addictive behaviors, you know, being a dry drunk or, you know, not, not using, not drinking, not eating compulsively, but without any of the, um, doing the other spiritual work is just going to leave us miserable and actually, um, not a beneficial presence to, to our communities, to our families or anyone else. Right. That's a great way of framing it, that you're defined not by this negative lack of whatever you're just staying away, but also and more importantly, by the positive, what you're moving towards and our hearts do not rest until they rest in God. So until that void is filled, then something else will come in to fill it regardless. Absolutely. Yeah. With so many stories of conversions in the lives of the saints, were there any in particular, I wonder, that influenced you in your journey or do you think would be an inspiration to anyone who might find themselves stuck in any step along this way? Yes, I would. You know, my favorite saint is Saint Monica. The um, the mother of Saint Augustine, who uh, we know, he prayed for a long time, 
uh, for the conversion of her of her husband and her son, and but wasn't a pushover. She was not right. just sitting there, just you know, just waiting. But she was rather taking you know action within her faith. She was um, she had learned how to set up really um, strong and healthy boundaries within her family that maintained her own faithfulness, but also um, provided support and help for those when they were ready, um, but not forcing it upon them. And so Saint Monica is my favorite saint. Um, you know, there is a um, there is a saint, um, and I, I, Saint Mark Jianglin is a as uh, a is a saint who was persecuted and died in 1900 from the uh, the Boxer Rebellion in China, and he had died as an active opioid uh, addict, um, but and was martyred. He was martyred with along with eight of his family members. He chose to be beheaded last by the Boxer Rebellion, um, as so that others didn't so that the others didn't have to see him, and he could be with those who were being uh, persecuted at that time. And again, he was an active uh, opioid addict. He died an an active addict, if you will, and um, he had such great dedication to the sacraments and to the Eucharist that he um, uh, he. He showcased, you know, a great, a great respect and honor. He, you know, it's at, often at times not receiving the Eucharist at times, um, but with great dedication to the sacraments and to the spiritual life. Um, I think that Saint Mark is a wonderful example and a saint, maybe a little less known saint, uh, but yeah, someone who is my the first time. saint of yeah, the, um, yeah, he's a wonderful saint to to look into. Yeah, that's wonderful. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for joining me today, Scott. This has been very informative and I hope listeners will enjoy it. Can you tell everyone where they can find this book and also where they can follow your ministry? Yeah, the Catholic and Recovery Workbook can be purchased um, by the publisher Ave Maria Press or on AveMariaPress.com or on Amazon. Um, CatholicInRecovery.com is the website that you can find more information about Catholic in Recovery. We have an active community around the country and around the world, uh, virtual meetings happening every day. We also launched a digital platform for those seeking resources that integrate Catholic spirituality, and that's called CIR Plus. At CatholicInRecovery.com, you can find more information about that. Within CIR Plus, we have a free version and a premium version. Uh, within the premium version, there is a digital workbook companion, which has video testimonials and modules that correspond with each section of the Catholic in Recovery workbook, and also other tools and resources, such as a Catholic in Recovery rosary reflection, um, a booklet, ebook that uh, has reflections for each mysteries of the rosary, access to meeting re reflections that tie together scripture from Sunday mass readings and daily mass readings with the recovery principles, and uh, other very helpful resources as well. Wonderful. Well, Thank you for sharing that. We can try to link some of them in our description as well. And thank you all listeners for tuning in to another episode. We will see you next time. God bless.